0: A flight through entirety the only doctor who podcast that checks its lagomorphs carefully before monologuing at them i'm nathan i'm brendan i'm todd and i'm
1: john hurt under a dust cover for this one
0: Well, we all know what happened 59 years ago today, but nine years ago today, we were all experiencing a day that will be forever written on our little fanboy hearts. So let's see what we remember about what happened on the day of the Doctor. Remember the first time you saw this where were you when you saw this for the first time Todd Was I in the UK I think you were yes yes because I'd been to the 50th
2: I'd been to the 50th anniversary event and then we were back at I think I think it was Peter's house actually yeah, okay. and we we're watching it as a group, and I just remember struggling with the cat because I'm allergic, and so I was battling, <laughs> battling sore eyes and and a constricted throat. But I was still, you know, <laughs> loving what I was seeing. Is what I could say. That's where I was. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah,
3: yeah. When, do you remember, Brendan? Um. Yeah, because I had to work. Like it was on in cinemas here before it was on telly. Yeah. And I did have tickets booked for like a nine thirty screening, but then I was um, doing a job on the voice and it was an audition tour. So, you know, I couldn't exactly take a day off because that's what it was scheduled for. So I had to give up my cinema ticket, switch my phone off. So no one texted me about yeah. what was in the episode and then rush home afterwards and watch it on iview.
0: <laughs> did you remain unspoiled? I mean, there's one or two things that you don't want to be spoiled about. That's not for you.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um I'm finding it hard to remember. I think I knew about Tom, okay, but I think I knew about Tom I, before, right you know i I think he had been somehow seen or, or something like that, um, but I could be wrong. And then I went to the cinema the next day to see it. I, I, I moved my ticket or I forfeited or gave it to someone or ate it or something. Do you have any memories from nine years ago at all? <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's just a number, isn't it,
0: uh, as we say at our age. I thought we all saw it at the cinema together. So my memory is that I went to James's place and we had bubbly, we had some bubbly Shiraz at sort of six o'clock in the morning or something. <laughs> and great. then watched it on iPlayer. It's Ribena yeah. for adults. <laughs> yeah, it is. You, you know what? That's why I switched my phone off because you guys texted
3: me saying we're watching it now. Oh, and I'm okay. like, <laughs> I love you And I trust you But I don't trust you <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> But then James and I Went to the cinema Later that day yeah. <laughs> And saw it in 3D Yeah And it still does work Without 3D But I do like That it It was just James and me I think Yeah 3D. yeah. It was yeah. in 3D Was it
2: in 3D Yeah, yeah.
0: I think Richard oh. You and I went The next day I think I saw
3: it with you in the cin-
1: cinema. I definitely remember seeing it in the cinema. Yeah.
0: So, in a blur. So, so the. We wept. <laughs> we wept. <laughs> we wept. I did
1: not know Tom was coming. I'd, no, I, I managed didn't to know keep either. my Poudre very much on a high shelf.
2: Yeah. I didn't know either. Yeah. Like it's just that lump in the throat. Yeah. Well, it's yeah.
0: when you hear him, the brilliance oh. of hearing him before. Britain, Britain, you see Britain, him. Britain. Yeah. Galafee,
1: Galafee, Galafee.
3: Actually, I definitely saw it with Richard because. I've been to several Doctor Who cinema screenings with Richard and Richard has this thing. I do. Where (laughs) um, if something surprising happens, like Tom Baker turning up... (laughs) suddenly my arm is in a vice. Yes. <laughs> yes. I bring one with me. Yes. And, and for those of you who haven't seen Richard and I together in person, I'm five foot four, Richard, six foot three, two. six <laughs> foot two. I beg not, your pardon. Let's, let's not ever extend. It. <laughs> and he's a very solid gentleman. He's actually dressed as a lumberjack today, today. and looking the part. Didn't bring my own lunch, but <laughs> um, but yes, no, it, it,
1: I guess I do remember squealing or <laughs> I think there was some of that. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, God, it was good, wasn't it? Yeah, the, I've only read the target novel. I have to say for this audio commentary, <laughs> I've just, I, yeah, I didn't watch it. I've watched because that's what we used to do as young yeah, people. Yeah, we yes. read the book. So well, I'm I'm coming to this as a ten year old. Yeah,
0: I I mentioned the book actually in yesterday's episode, provided I don't decide to cut that bit and <laughs>
1: it is <laughs> amazingly good i read it on nathan's recommendation originally he said you just got to buy this so I'm like, oh i can't be oh and i didn't ooh yeah ooh and it takes a bit longer mm-hmm. and it does some lovely nods to douglas adams yeah. and to well really the whole history of doctor who writers there's lots of little ticks to terence and malcolm in his, some of his wordplay which just made my
2: spine go funny In a good way I was talking to Simon and Peter about this And about the three big celebrations Which are, of course, an adventure in space and time The Five-ish Doctors reboot and this And which one do you like the most? Which one... Do you have the most love for and why and we were talking about like we're classic series fans we just absolutely adore an adventure in time and space obviously the five doctors reboot has so many classic people in there and then i sort of made the generic comment oh i you know it's the classic stuff that really gets to me but it's more than that it's actually the interaction between classic and new who that's the stuff that gets to me it's when it's when david bradley looks at matt Smith. Yeah in that, and I sort of break down in tears. And it's when you hear Tom's voice and his – and that whole sequence and interaction with Matt Smith in this that you well up and you get tears. Yeah. Five Strokes' Reboot is a bit different. Like, I didn't necessarily get tears, but it's all that interaction how it's so interlinked with New Who. And that's the stuff that – not to say there's other stuff that I don't love in this. Like the intera- I always love having Doctors interact with, with each other, but it's all the pictures in the background of the, the classic companions mm. and all that that – as a classic fan, it's just magical. And I, I don't want to say that if you're a new Who fan, then that's going to mean anything less because if you go back and watch it all and have watched it all, then you're a fan of Doctor Who. But I just, it's just something that has struck me. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I think it's Al Sandifer who is the one who said that this is the show that heals the breach of the wilderness years by bringing classic Doctor Who back and letting the new series kind of encompass it. And I think maybe it's not super obvious, but I think maybe the best representative of the classic series is in some ways John Hurt. You know, he's older, he's posh, he's got the posh accent, David he's Tennant doing makes fun accent. of it. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's had yeah.
1: a career
2: yeah.
0: before and he doesn't really like the younger members of the cast.
1: There's a lot of historical truth in <laughs> yeah. this, isn't
0: there? It's the thing where he looks at the two Doctors from the new series and can't believe how kind of stupid they are, you know, like <laughs> how they speak like children, how they wave yeah. their – I mean, I can imagine Simon criticising the new series Doctors for – waving their sonic screwdriver around like a water pistol and here is John Hurt doing that. So it, <laughs> so he's a classic series doctor that we've never kind of heard of. It's really out of the obelisk, <laughs> isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 exactly. So he's invited onto the program to make fun of how stupid it is. Yeah. And one of the things that he does is that he notices what those doctors do despite their weird, unimpressive appearance and that makes him make the decision. But I think that that's a place and maybe an overlooked place where the classic series interacts in this episode. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting because I'd heard
2: rumours at the time that, you know, some people felt this whole War Doctor concept was a misbegotten sort of idea and, you know, couldn't get Eccleston, BBC didn't want McGann, who I think both could have stepped into that, that role. Is that why? I did not know that. Mm, that's oh. what we think. And I think that McGann could have done this. I think he would have been oh, brilliant. And mm. I personally don't think it would have mattered who had done that
1: I role. I remember, thank, yeah, Stephen said he'd finished writing it for McGann, yeah.
2: Yeah. Mm. Um, I think at this point the audiences with Doctor Who, everything is built up to this moment, right? So mm. if it had been McGann, I don't think you would have got any less viewers. No, than no. If, if it had been John Hurt, like I just don't – think there's any difference i mean i mentioned when we were doing time of the doctor for me when john hurt appeared it was like oh well great <laughs> you know, but it didn't really mean anything to yeah. me i was not blown away by that fact <laughs> i mean it's interesting now coming into this like he was billed as the doctor at the end of that but we've had the night of the doctor where he's actually billed as the war doctor so you so as a fan you know that's where this is where this is coming from I think you're very right about how the performance is very classic series. And I think it is, I think it's wonderful in it. Mm. And I think it works so well. And it's really interesting when I went into it, I was not determined not to like it like I normally (laughs) am, but I was deeply concerned about the concept, Brendan, (laughs) um, about this war doctor and how it wouldn't work. But, Stephen Moffat is a very clever man. Yes. He's up against it with all of the constraints and having to tie everything together and come up with this. And and, and it works. Uh, mm. And you know how I like all my T's to be crossed and I's to be dotted. And, and if they're not, then I'm really not happy. But yeah. I'm very, very happy. It just, he's just splendid. Mm.
3: Yeah. It just, it look, it just works. And- the um the sort of tying back of John Hurt to the classic series mode of Doctor, when Eccleston declined to do it and they couldn't get Paul McGann, Stephen Moffat had to come up with this idea, and his starting point was The Five Doctors, but not necessarily in the way you might expect. He was- cons- Richard Handel. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. An android. <laughs> an android. <laughs> well, the yeah. thing is, he was considering for a while not doing a multi-doctor story because he's like, you know, that's a bit of a misnomer. Not every anniversary has a multi-doctor story kind yeah. of thing. But- Yes, then he thought about Richard Herndall and he thought about, and we discussed this on the podcast before, how Richard Herndall's first Doctor isn't actually all that much like William Hartnell's first Doctor. It's almost like he's this entirely new incarnation with adventures you haven't seen. Oh my God, I've just saved the 50th anniversary, said Stephen Moffat. So he went to the BBC with this idea and said... But this will only work if we get a big name actor that bypasses people going, but they were never the doctor, Mm. to go to, I don't care that they were the never the doctor because they're John Hurt. And that, it actually melds another idea he had in A Fit of Madness because. After the end of series seven, Jenna Coleman was the only person contracted. Yeah. So Matt Smith's contract ended, his initial contract ended with name of the doctor. And he hadn't said, I won't do more, but he was getting film offers. He actually leaves this and immediately flies to America to do a film. And that's when he shaves his head and has to wear the wig for time of the doctor. Ten- or the
1: Adric inheritance
3: as it came <laughs> in the script. Yeah. Like, tenant came off one thing onto this and immediately onto another thing. So it was yep. hard to get tenant. So Stephen Moffat did initially have this idea that. The fiftieth anniversary would be Clara meeting a bunch of different celebrities playing the Doctor, and basically the Doctor would change every few scenes. And he's like Joanna Lumley, Miriam Margolyes, Sir Ian McKellen. Da, da, da. The and sofa of reasonable, <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. But you know that was Stephen Moffat going. I don't have a Doctor. I have all the Doctors, and he's kind of said in an interview since that would have been awful. <laughs> well, we've seen it. There wasn't that bad. <laughs> um, it's amazing how John Hurt's doctor comes out of a period of adversity because they were, they were close to getting Eccleston and then he, he's just like, no, I'm I'm just not ready to yeah. go back and, and do that again. Yeah. Especially seeing as we've since found out how painful it was for him to leave and how he felt he was blacklisted afterwards and what yeah. have you. Well, it, yeah. It's amazing. You know, there's multiple sides of course, but it's amazing. He even considered it in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but yeah we get John Hurt who's who's lovely and sweet but you totally believe will blow up half the
0: universe. <laughs> yeah, I mean he is quite lovely almost immediately. So when he turns up, when those when those men turn up to look for the doctor who has bewitched Queen Elizabeth the 1st and they say something, you know, we want the Doctor's head or something like that, and John Hurt just smiles broadly and says, well, this has all the makings of your lucky day. Yes, <laughs> and it's, yes. it's wonderful because he has been so sombre and so solemn up until that point. That's the point where, for me, he became the Doctor, I think. Hmm.
2: I always think it's such a shame that he only calls himself the Doctor once at the end yeah. and he doesn't get to be really called the Doctor very much at all. But you know, that's just an observation. I think it's also quite funny that the two companions, and I put that in quotes here, Clara and Rose, or Bad Wolf for the moment, are the only two actresses that thus far in you who have actually witnessed yeah. regeneration or are going to witness a regeneration ah, yeah. from one Doctor. To the next. Yeah. But
1: to be fair, we have also witnessed that with Billy's teeth. It was, um, <laughs> the moment was it could have just been a box on a, something else. It was an entirely
0: different head. I <laughs> actually really like her as the moment. I think, I, yeah, okay, is,
1: is this the moment? She is the best thing in the, the special. She's She can good. act the box off and out of any of the others. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, and she actually, those scenes with her, you can actually see him- just my opinion, you can actually see him rise a little bit Mm. in standard to he's not just doing grumpy grandpa panto. You can actually see she's got the spark. She's the Claudia Winkleman of Doctor Who. She's the Strictly Come Dancing of Doctor Who, if you know Claudia's. Anyway, Claudia Winkleman on Strictly has a very manic yet controlled manner that is charming and yet completely random. And Billy has a manic quality in her eye in this that, I don't know whether it's years with Chris Evans, but (laughs) but I can believe everything she says. She has a psychotic joy about
0: her. She's extraordinary and hurt rises to that. Mm. Yeah. And she also has real proper feelings. Like we're we're told by the general that the weapon is so powerful its operating system developed a conscience. And she is absolutely engineering and permitting this to happen, giving the doctor the chance to do a redo and get the decision right. And she when the doctor Goes back When the war doctor goes back with a renewed determination to blow everyone up, it seems like it hasn't worked. She's really heartbroken and she really sells it. And, you know, there's no character to hang that on. It's not like Rose, who is an identifiable sort of TV character. She's playing the moment, which is what the hell is that? And she absolutely kills it. She's funny and silly and manic, as Richard said, but also sombre and really, really desperate to ensure that the weapon isn't used the way that it was the first time through. Is this
1: special actually as good as it is because we get the legacy of Russell and Andy Pryor's and Phil's? And I guess Julie, but Mm. just their understanding of what good casting is, of course, just to throw it in there. I mean, Matt is lovely. Of course he's lovely and everyone else is lovely. And maybe it's nostalgia, but the real punches on the screen are
0: everyone that's from Russell's first few years. I think, too, that this engages with Russell's Doctor Who really very thoroughgoingly as well. Yeah, maybe
1: we were just missing it in the same way that audiences
0: in 73 must have
1: been missing
0: Pat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's that's right. He does a very good version of David Tennant. He's written for David Tennant before, obviously. Uh, He picks up- I think it's Queen the- Elizabeth gag from End of Time, part one. <laughs> I just
2: love the way he keeps insulting her all the time. <laughs> yeah.
0: She's great too. She yeah. is, Joanna Page, yeah. So that's she's, she's lovely. In this. Stacey from Gavin and Stacey. Oh, God, and
1: she's so good. I think Stephen Moffat is actually the best writer for Tenant's Doctor.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, like the stuff that he wrote in Russell's era was yeah. superb. He got, he got him. He
1: also got Eccleston. I would have loved to have seen him write for Eccleston.
3: Mm-hmm. Look, there are storyboards of the soldier give me your gun blasting away no more in the wall. There are storyboards of Eccleston oh, in, that so in that moment. So that's how far along they yeah. got in pre-production yeah. thinking we might get him. And you know Stephen Moffat sort of has his post rationalisation of you know the good thing about bringing in John Hurt is that if your favourite Doctor is Paul McGann or Christopher Eccleston, you don't have to square them being your favourite Doctor with them being a genocidal warrior, you know, because now you've got this other one we can project onto. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And when we have talked about the Doctor doing questionable things in the past and immediately spring to mind is the twin dilemma, one of the things we talked about back then was how uncomfortable that made us because this is our hero. So the War Doctor gives us that out and – John Hurt then subsequently did uh, the War Doctor series with Big Finish and there was always that tension with the character of doing, quote unquote, the wrong thing for the right reasons. Right. And um, um, of course, unfortunately, John Hurt is no longer with us, but that was a really nice perfect series of 12 plays and uh, no disrespect intended to the um, the newer ones they're doing with Jonathan Carley, who does an amazing version of the character as well. Mm. And then this as sort of his finale, because yeah. this does end up being the War Doctor's finale. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's amazing how well the character works just by himself. You know, when we come across the 10th Doctor, the 10th Doctor's in the midst of his own adventure, somewhere between the waters of Mars and the end of time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> he's ended the waters of Mars going, I'm really sad. <laughs> and, and so I'm going to go off and Find out Queen Elizabeth's a Zygon. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. In fact, it is a little bit of a cheat. It is a little bit of a coincidence that Tennant is at one end of the Zygon invasion and Matt is at the other end. So they've both turned up at the same time in the same invasion and so we have kind of two stories don't we we have the zygon invasion story with them hiding in the paintings and bursting out and then we have the moment interrupting that story in order to persuade the war doctor not to push the button Hmm. and both of those stories are quite simple which i think really works because it does give us what we want which is time hanging out with those characters, I think.
2: Mm. I'm just gonna go back to what Richard was saying about like all the Russell characters and that, Mm. and them shining perhaps more. I don't necessarily agree with that point of view. I actually think, It's one of these things where, like in The Three Doctors, like John Pertwee is very competent, but as you were saying, it's like suddenly having Pat and um, William coming down in his bubble, like that gives you, like you sort of connect with that. Yeah. That's the razzmatazz. So having these people back, you're sort of looking at that sparkle. I think Billy is extraordinary and and all the cutting with her there, not there, and the the lines that hark back to things with Tennant and kissing and all that, you know, it's all just icing on the cake. But I actually think that. Matt is extraordinarily good. He's the glue that holds everything together. Well, perhaps it's actually Jenna who's the glue that holds everything together because she is interacting with all three doctors at various points. And the moment she begins to cry or tears get in her eyes at the end, it always gets to me. She really sells it. And I know other people say that she's cold or whatever. I mean, she's the witch in the well or whatever (laughs) she happens to be. But I actually think she's absolutely perfect in this. Again, I think she's an extraordinary actress and Clara is just the right thing. We were talking about in our season seven retrospective, we had questions about whether Clara's time should have been done. Well, no.
0: Yeah. Mm. She's Mm. magnificent in this. And she's the one who saves the day. I mean, the Mm. moment fails. Yeah. She takes the Doctor forward to see how Matt and David – actually managed to save the world by using their experience of having destroyed Gallifrey as a kind of a warning or a moral lesson. And so when the war doctor goes back, he's going to push the button because he sees that their regret has spurred them on to save people. Mm. And that's absolutely the wrong message. That's not the message he should have taken. And it's Clara is the one who intervenes and says that you just can't do this. You can't be killing 2.8 billion children. And because she's us, she's the audience, you know. Mm. Um, and, and she's Moffat in a way, too, I think. I don't think Moffat likes the idea that the doctor killed everyone on Gallifrey. And so he fixes it so that it didn't happen. Mm. It's a very clever
2: way he does it like yeah like he always says he introduces stuff during an episode that you don't necessarily see how it's going to link to the ending like the whole the picture and the painting and i think all that's extraordinary having that moment but also i think the other thing is his whole take on the war like it's very interesting it's much more this is a battle for the second arcadia like the second city of gallifrey it's all very much we're seeing gallifreyans and children and just the daleks and that whereas Previously, Russell had talked about in the final episodes of Tenant, What were all those the, the hordes of whatever? Yeah, you yeah. know, you know
0: has-beens has or whatever. The could, could have been king and, never and, and, and the army of his neverwords. The yeah. nightmare children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: So things that in my head are concepts that I can't really get my head around. Yeah. Whereas here, it's a much more the war is much grittier and realer. Like yeah. it, it's mm. just more grounded as opposed to something out in space where I just imagine sort of ghouls and things flying through the air and just not just – Shooting lasers, which yeah, yeah. appears to be
0: yeah. So Russell actually describes the war in more detail in his novelization of Rose, and he has like replica Earths and Gallifrey's being recreated out of different times and and hurled as missiles, and and you know like it's an absolutely bizarre and unfilmable. Conception of the war and that works very well, but once you've decided to depict it, what do you do? It, it becomes just gun. Like the the time war becomes incredibly gun, and that's why the Doctor doesn't fit into it. Yeah. You know, that's why the Doctor doesn't belong there because it's just people with guns.
3: I think also we're meant to believe it's something of a war of attrition because. Um, in the the sort of secret vault, they say we've used all the weapons except yeah. for the moment. You know, we've used all the fancy weapons that we can't depict on screen conveniently. <laughs> so now we're Ooh. down to lasers, yeah. nemesis an statue, yeah, 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 an yeah, yeah. statue <laughs> I, de- I just fly- have her flying around Gallifrey. <laughs> oh, that would, have been, that would have been so funny. I, you know, the
1: decorative uh, milk crate.
2: That's all we've got. Yeah,
3: does <laughs> have her fly up to the Daleks? I am beautiful. You are not. <laughs>
2: but it's the one thing that I do have a slight problem with Is that what is depicted is not quite what was in my head Like no. yeah, for yeah, this yeah, war yeah. And it's his take uh, on it.
1: The best thing about this <laughs> is the Five-ish Doctors And I've got to say, listening to you or speaking I'm having to run
2: through my head going Was that
1: in the special or was that Five-ish? Because to me
2: it's the same <laughs> thing You know, Stephen may not have those three doctors or four doctors in the special, but they couldn't have done what they did without mm. his uh, yeah. assistance and permission and yeah. and love for the show and action figures.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he must he must have shared with peter what the script was because peter inserts those three doctors into the scene in the undergallery because they're they're hiding under the sheets that the zycons are hiding under
3: i think that what i've heard is pete sort of said to moffat is there a scene where we could be hiding in the background you don't have to tell me what it is okay and so first of all they're like well, we'll put you in three Dalek casings, you know, three Paradigm Daleks who were never seen in the special. Yeah. yeah. And, and then it's like, oh, well, actually we've got these statues and you can hide as statues. And I do understand there are some shots where, it is, Pete it is them. Is it actually? <laughs> yeah, in, in like in <laughs> the background of one or two of the Ingrid Oliver shots. Apparently, <laughs> it is those three. Well, in the actual, apparently, so. Like ju- just, it's a, just
1: Daniel a Craig and a Stormtrooper. <laughs> yeah, We've yeah. seen it
3: before. <laughs> totally. Well,
2: that's kind of nice. You know, one of the things I really love about Stephen he has such a love for the show, and he's such a fan. And and you know, he has his own take on it. And he works everything in without denigrating anything. That Russell's done, yeah, you know, he, yeah, and you know, that's one of the joys of his writing is that he actually builds everybody up, and he doesn't take swipes and or he does things in a in a lovely way, and and I think it's it's often overlooked at how clever and and how thoughtful he actually is in many ways. I just think it's so clever taking what Russell's done and not negating it or saying it's wrong or trying to rewrite it or, or just throw it out and say, well, yeah, you know, that didn't happen, mm. but integrating it into his canon and and just bringing everything together.
0: Yeah, I mean we've had all of the previous doctors in the previous episode to one degree or another. We've just seen them in action or in Colin's case walking behind someone in a corridor. But but they were <laughs> at all least he does there.
2: at least he does get yeah. In the bubble, you actually do see him at the concert. Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. is and good.
0: good. And yeah, here yeah, they yeah. are all back and they're all working together to solve the same thing. And that's, that's the clever thing. And he's done this before. He's pulled this before, right, where in the Tower of London, the moment tells the war doctor that all of the sonic screwdrivers are the same software, different case. And so he scans it with his he scans the door with his uh sonic screwdriver and because it's been 400 years matt smith's sonic screwdriver can immediately um destroy the door not that he needs to because it's
1: not not
0: it's not (laughs) i love how it's all we're so clever says matt smith and then clara bursts (laughs) um And then then the moment says, same software, different face. And, of course, the same thing happens. Matt has the idea of what to do because he's had 400 years to think about it in the meantime. Mm. And that's the same trick that he pulls in time crash isn't it yeah 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 where pete learns how to defeat the whatever the hell the thing is the the belgium yeah by seeing (laughs) uh, yeah that's right by seeing the 10th doctor do it and so when he's the 10th doctor he remembers being the fifth doctor seeing the 10th doctor do it Mm. so so he has pulled that before it's not new but it's done so tremendously well here i think Mm. in terms of the doctor's decision to change his mind at the
3: end yeah it's it's an absolutely beautiful scene and, and Clara's inspiration of him. She actually originally had a much longer speech. Right. Which I'm glad they cut down, but pretty much Matt Smith says, we have to do this. And David Tennant says, for we are the oncoming storm. We are the car ferret We are the bringers of darkness. And John Hurt says, this is what I was born to do. To which Clara responds, no, you weren't. No one's born to do anything. That's just stupid. That's what mad people say. (laughs) How many children did you say? 2.47 billion? Stuck on a planet surrounded by monsters and waiting for someone to save them? For God's sake, this time there's three of you. You can stop being a bringer of darkness or a storm or a legend or a hero or any of the stupid things you tell yourself you are. Just be you. Just be a doctor. And so what we get is the same effect as that. And I'm glad they shortened it um, because something I've been finding reading on the script development of these is Moffat definitely overwrites at the beginning. He usually writes a lot of like sexy jokes in there as Clara wanders into the TARDIS at the end. Before she says, by the way, the curator of this place was looking for you, she was meant to look at where the 10th Doctor's TARDIS was and say, you know, you used to be really sexy. To which, oh. to which Matt Smith says, w- which one? <laughs> <laughs> which one are you talking about? <laughs> um, you know. But that's, that's another great thing about Stephen Moffat. As, as much as he pays tribute to what came before, he's absolutely not afraid to go, you know what, I need less here. Yeah. And I need I need to just let the actors do more. Because that whole bit with the three doctors watching Gallifrey as the moment brings it around them is so good. Mm,
0: and it has it really so is. much less dialogue than was in the original script. Yeah. Yeah, it's really well done. All you needed was that, be a doctor. Do what you've always done, be a doctor. And that's the other thing that's really striking and that has to happen. This is the 50th anniversary celebration, so it needs to be about who it is that we're celebrating. And so all that that speech, the never cruel and cowardly speech, this is what the doctor is, this is why we love him and – we get to go back and fix the one time where he failed to do that. And I think it's fantastic. It's magnificent.
3: I mentioned the other day when we were doing Night of the Doctor that I had a theory as to why this works so well, despite it being a simple story. And that is... Especially in the nineteen eighties, you had all these stories where someone was deliberately out to get the doctor. Yeah. And it ends up being not terribly interesting. And I'm kind of like, Well, why isn't it terribly interesting? It's like, well, it's not terribly interesting because the doctor's not gonna die. Yeah. Or, you know, be be massively hurt or anything like that. You know, there might be a regeneration. Uh, but it's like even in Legopolis, the doctor thinks it's about him. Yeah. And it's not. This is still a story about the doctor but it's not a story about the villain out to get the doctor, but it's about the doctor's personal growth instead. Yeah. So it's kind of like the doctor's soul is at risk. Yeah. And that's far more interesting mm. than the Borad going, ah, well, you know, doctor, you you turned me into this and now I'm going to be horrible to you. Or um, Roger Delgado coming in and just mucking the doctor around, you know, I've, I've got no other purpose, I'm just going to tease you this week. And that's why I think you need to have a sort of quite simple story with, with the Zygon thing, because in a way, that simple story is interrupting what we really want yeah, yeah. in a very Stephen Moffat kind of way. And if you look back in Stephen Moffat's tenure to say Amy's Choice, if that had been about the Doctor... That would have been far less interesting mm, yeah. because it's about Amy. There's actual risk involved. Yeah. And because it's about something that we have been told for the last seven series has happened, you know, right back with Eccleston, he says, I watched it happen. I made it happen. Yeah. Matt Smith says, I killed all the time Lords in the doctor's wife, you know, yeah. and everything we know about doctor who tells us that this is inevitable, except for, The Wedding of River Song has told us, actually, this kind of thing can be changed if you're very clever. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a little bit like the way this story rewrites the end of the previous season as well, Mm. where the doctor has a destination that's Trenzalore. He has it right up until the very end where he's saying goodbye to David Tennant. And that's a bad ending. And Mm. so what Moffat does is he lets the doctor rewrite it. And so now his purpose is to go hunting for Gallifrey and the idea that he's inevitably going to end up at Trenzalore is gone. And- it's just a sort of super moffity thing to do is to say, actually, we're not going to tell this story. We're going to do something different. And I think it's really great.
2: Yeah. Scaliframe or Home the Long Way Round. Yeah. Like something that will permeate through a number of series now until yeah. the, sort of the end of his time as showrunner. Um, yeah. The story being so simple and about being the doctor's soul, as you said, Brendan, just touches our soul. Right, And mm. I just think that works so well And the monsters become sort of periphery to that You know, he's never Stephen's not really interested in writing Daleks Like yeah. a lot of the time They're here, but they're just a means to an end They're on the periphery The Zygons, well we adore them from the classic series If we know them, if they're new to us This is what they are and what they do And um, They're there for some jokes And they're there for that ridiculous scene where Gemma Redgrave has to spit out that
0: that, (laughs) that food (laughs) when
2: she changes back for no reason at all that (laughs) I can see. Um, Do you guys like the Zygons in this?
0: I do. I I think that they were the monster that was most in need of coming back. Every one of us thought, you know, the Zygons are the best one-off monster that Doctor Who has ever done and we need to see them again. And – You know, Moffat during his time will bring back the Ice Warriors. He will bring back the Great Intelligence. Uh, He brings back all sorts of things and and gets a redo of them. And here I think the Zygons, I don't think they look quite as good. Good. No,
1: they're, they're bitey cartoon versions. But it's the same thing, I think Todd's hinting at, as with the Daleks. You aggrandize them when you bring them back, and yeah. they lose that fetal fragility. The Daleks and the Zygons in their first stories are both very similar. They're impounded, mm. and they have that claustrophobic sense, which we win. It's also really a significant story because we see the doctor commit as far as we know, genocide, we don't know how many colonies survived. And Tom's so gleeful, yes, blew them up on the beach. <laughs> and it, I, even at 12 I thought, this is terrible. This is a yeah. terrible thing to do. Um, so maybe they did deserve some legacy, but they're not the same.
2: Well, they're not the same because, like, the actors who are playing themselves aren't playing the Zygots.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a shame, actually, you know. Yeah. I would have banned, you know, Paddy managed to bandage up Tom as a a mummy and tell him, oh, you know, it's Veritas, Tom, just because she was sick of him and wanted him to (laughs) shut (laughs) up. And I think we could have done in Pyramids of Mars and I think we could have done the same very easily.
3: Mm. (laughs) With Gemma. I think Gemma
1: would have been up. No, but she's she's great. But really, as a Zygon, yeah, I think she would have been fantastic. I mean, She's the modern Glenda Jackson
3: after all. No, she is. Gemma really is. And considering in The Original Terror of the Zygons, the actress playing Sister Lament, does voice her Zygon yeah, counterpart. Yeah, yeah. Whereas here, and not begrudging the man, but they're all Nicholas Briggs. <laughs> and it's kind of like, you know you know what? Nicholas Briggs is Daleks, absolutely. I wish they'd bring in Alistair Locke occasionally to mix it up, but he hasn't played them even for Big Finish for a while. Yeah. But for me, I really like the Zygon design, except for one factor, the new one. The new one. Not the teeth so much. R- Richard's doing rabbit <laughs> teeth. <acting. laughs> <laughs> Father beans. Um, no, it's the eyes.
1: They're very different.
3: They're very different. And I think what it is, is on the original, they had very heavy brows, which put the eyes into shadow. Right. And the new heads don't have the same protrusion, so the eyes are more
0: human. Do you know, for me, it's the translucency- The rubber of the zygon suits that rubber of the zygon. (laughs) Zygon. (laughs) Like like it was slightly translucent. Yes. Yes, you're right. It was quite beautiful. So and that fragility, because they're sort of fetal and they look sort of fragile and 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 stuff, whereas here they are a little bit more kind of robust and they're yeah. a little bit more monstrous. They
1: also don't strut around the same way <laughs> <laughs> with
2: their little thoraxes pushed <laughs> forward. <laughs> I miss that. <laughs> I do like the fact that Queen Elizabeth kills off her counterpart. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>.
1: <laughs>
2: as feeble as a feeble woman. Uh, well, that's Elizabeth. a
0: famous quote from Queen Elizabeth I, I yeah. may have the body of a weak and feeble woman. I think Miranda Richardson uh, yeah. does the same quote. It is a great shame yeah. it wasn't Miranda really. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> I just kept thinking there's an account by like a French ambassador or something, and I'm going to get the details wrong, of meeting Queen Elizabeth when she's much older and, of course, Sugar becomes a thing during Queen Elizabeth's lifetime, and her teeth are shockingly bad like they're really black <laughs> and horrible. By old the time wooden she's teeth, old. I believe she was <laughs> well, that's right. But you remember her at the end of the Shakespeare Code, which is a sequel to this story, <laughs> yes, as far yes, as yes. Queen Elizabeth is she's concerned, not happy, is she? No, her? but no. she has terrible teeth as well. Like <laughs> she, <yeah. laughs> so, all of that stuff about David Tennant saying how she's got breath that would stun a horse and stuff like that, all. (laughs) All of that is kind of historically accurate eventually.
2: (laughs) Speaking of which, Kate Stewart Mm. um, and Unit, of course, are in here with Osgood as well. She was previously introduced a little while ago during Season 7. Power of Three. um, Power of Three and Unit. Is back here with um, the Black Archive. I just laughed the fact that that poor man at the uh, yes, no. it's his first day every day for ten
0: years. Yeah, look at Severance nine years early, yeah. isn't it?
3: I mean, the thing is, does he go home every day and say to his husband, "My first day went well." You've been saying that for
0: ten years. <laughs>
3: I want a divorce. <laughs> mm.
2: But it's interesting how he he works that all into the show and and for those that that know dr who from the beginning you know that's it's quite a big payoff i mean it's nice to have that in there in the reference to the brigadier i guess if you're newer does it really does it really matter no it probably doesn't they're just a you know military organization but it's I, i find that it's nice nods i know a number of people on the podcast maybe not this team don't particularly like Jimmy Redgrave's performance as Kate Stewart, but I always think that she does I I, I really like, her. like her. Yeah. I actually me too. really like her. What else is she and, gonna do with it? And yeah. and Osgood, a nod back to a character from which one is it? Um, the Demons. From The Demons, yeah. right? Who's who's not to say that she is a relation to? Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. She's his
0: daughter.
1: One, hang on for the young people here. Which one is um, is Osgood in The Demons?
0: Osgood's the kind of sciencey one who is operating the thing that the pierces through the thing. heat barrier. Oh, yeah. God,
1: of course it is. Al- yeah.
0: Alec Linstead later on. The woo
1: thing with the glasses and the white coat. He's yeah. a bit of
3: a fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is later Jellico in ah. Robot and Arthur Stengos Dalek in Revelation oh of the goodness. Dalek. Oh, my goodness. God,
2: yes. It's interesting. He's now got these new playthings. I think Osgood makes make such an impact. She's so good. Gosh, she's good. Yeah, that he's <laughs> going to keep bringing her back. Yeah. And, and it, you look back on his time as showrunner and you see that, you know, when Stephen finds new things to play with, he, he lets go of his his current playthings. And I'm mm. sort of referring to the the part of Nostigang who I adore and mm. think should have done more episodes. But it's sort of like, okay, they're back, spoiler alert, one more time, but then Kate and Osgood are back for a bit. And then he finds new playthings. It's yeah. just mm. but she is a joy in this with her whole Tom Baker scarf. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she even does the Tom Baker thing where the Zygon is standing on the end of the scarf, which is on the floor, and she yanks it and the Zygon falls over. Like she absolutely does that. And that incredible moment at the end where the two Kate Stewarts have lost their memories and there's that interaction where one of the Osgoods coughs and the other Osgood gives her. The inhaler, and they both realise which one is human and which one is Zygon, but they decide not to wreck it because they do want this negotiation to go ahead and succeed. It's really good. That's really good, and yeah. I never picked up on. Right,
2: because then he of course seeds that for the yeah the yeah. next story in a few seasons' time, but that is. It's just interesting, that little moment. It's very, yeah. very clever. And also I think going back to at the end of David Tennant's time in the, I want to say the dead planet. Oh, planet of the dead. <laughs>
3: say,
1: <laughs> same words, different order.
3: Planet, <laughs> of planet, yeah. planet of the dead planet. Planet
1: of the dead, but you
2: do have Unit and you've got Malcolm, who's another scientist from Unit who's in – Love with the Doctor or things yeah. like this is wonderful. Yeah. And here we've got Osgood again. And I think they tried to do it with that – maybe they didn't really do it with that guy back in The Power of Three who was a bit of a nerd. I can't remember who she was talking to.
0: Yeah, I can't remember. But yeah. Malcolm does get name-checked twice in this episode. So he's the one who's responsible for ensuring that the – is it the Ravens or the Tower of London? Have their, their batteries. batteries. Yeah, <laughs> they tell Malcolm to change the batteries. And then Malcolm is also the one who is supposed to analyze the stone dust at the bottom of the undergallery. So that's definitely Malcolm. Yeah. You know, and again, it's this thing where Moffat loves Russell's Doctor Who and constantly references it in a positive way. Mm. Something I really love about
3: Gemma Redgrave's performance is she has Nicholas Courtney's quality of underplaying certain moments. She's not terribly earnest all the time, but yet there are layers to the performance and she does get excited or scared or concerned. And, you know, the moment of, um, we only have to agree to live. Well, unfortunately we can only agree to die. It's like, Okay, yeah, like, no, I believe you will blow up London, yeah, <laughs> actually. Yeah. D- you know, despite the fact, you know, uh, the whole time we've seen you've been kind of charming and walking in and going, oh, hi, Rory, nice pants, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in- Interesting thing about Kate Stewart, though, the BBC consider her a legally distinct and original character compared to Kate Lethbridge Stewart <laughs> of the spin off media, so that way they don't have to pay the uh, Haseman Lincoln estate for her. <laughs> Uh, oh boy. <laughs> and we were talking about with the great intelligence a couple of weeks ago. It's it's like, you know, Dalek's created by Terry Nation. Sontarans created by Robert Holmes. Silurian's created by Malcolm Hook. Does it say who the Zargons are created by? It? Oh, I think it does. I think it says Zygon's created by Robert Robert Banks-Stewart. But it's like, great intelligence. Nah, we don't need to credit
0: anyone. (laughs) Barely a thing. There
1: was a thing with, was it Mervyn Heisman and Henry Lincoln? Yeah, Yeah. no, there was a big kind of thing going all the way back with yetis and the reusable yetis. Mm -hmm. There there was some kind of falling There was a bit of drama. There was a bit of drama. So, yes, that's why. My favourite Ingrid Oliver thing Mm-hmm. Which is nothing to do with where we are at this point in the conversation. Is this Penthesilea in um, the BBC Radio for Earth? What's it called again? Uh, Earthsea? I can't remember. Earth no. Search. Earth Search is no. That's good as well. I'll find you the title. She plays a warrior princess in a metal bra, and it's a piss take of Lord of the Rings. Of <laughs> and it's, got, it's got Stephen Mangan as a, as a, as a fantasy writer, and his Labrador who gets sucked into an alternative dimension, and the Labrador personifies as the chosen one, although he still likes sticks and sniffing, and, there's a t- and it's a tiny dwarf, and there's a tall elf who's, you know, not quite sure where he is in the world, shall we say, and it's really, really, really funny, but everything in- Ingrid Oliver does is completely different from everything else Ingrid Oliver does, and she's superb, and I would have liked to have seen her, as they do with the Zygon, and the book that Stephen Moffat yeah. has done really plays on that so nicely. And she actually saves the world in the book in a different way because of the empathy that she and her doppelganger Create and that the the zygons learn about they love swimming in the mind of a huge pool, even it's the TARDIS swimming pool, isn't it? The TARDIS (laughs) swimming in the pool of her mind and how much that goes on there. And the zygons actually yeah achieve empathy by being Ingrid Oliver. Mm. So Mm -hmm. she's absolutely I would have really liked to have seen her do as a Clara thing. I think I might no, I'm not gonna go there, but she would have made a good companion. I'll just say that.
3: Yeah, you know what. I would be amazed if they didn't ask her at one point. Ah. And I, I get the impression with Ingrid Oliver that, you know, like you say, Richard, she does a different thing every time, but she doesn't do it for long. Yeah. You know She's what very I mean? busy. Yeah, exactly. And quite working, right. Working, darling.
1: Yes, I am. Yeah. Thanks for asking. <laughs>
3: yeah. um, you know, and I first saw her in Watson and Oliver, which was her sketch yeah. comedy series with Lorna Watson. And there's a particular one where. Ingrid Oliver has found out that the new James Bond is down to two names, her and Daniel Craig. What?
2: (laughs) And and
3: Lorna Lorna Watson's like, oh, God, that's so nerve-wracking. This is like when David Tennant beat me out for Doctor Who. (laughs) And then they do this whole Bond musical number with Ingrid Oliver in a tuxedo. It's amazing. If we can find it on YouTube, we will link it in the show notes. And I'm looking at Nathan because he has to do that. Um, I would possibly go as far as saying that Osgood may be Stephen Moffat's most successful recurring character, recurring guest character. And, you know, even two mm-hmm. or three years ago when the Lonely Assassins video game was made, she's the main voice in it, her and Finley Robertson right. returning as um, Larry Nightingale. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's um Osgood... Guiding you through the game and like she even returns for some of the found footage sequences and she's running around Wester Drumlin's house and setting up probes and things. Right. In, and I think she's got celery on her lapel. <laughs> um, Elven quest. Elven quest. <laughs> Elven quest. Oh, I
1: haven't found it. I'm just looking at it. She's also in Penny dreadfuls. So she plays. Um, oh, have course. you heard that one on the radio? And she plays a, a super spy warrior. Kitty thing in the nineteenth century, and she's just sort of like a like a, a as if Gemma Redgrave was playing him appeal. And really, everything she does is fantastic. Yet, and so she was offered. do You think she was offered a companion uh, piece?
3: I would be very surprised if she wasn't offered more.
1: Yeah, yeah. She
0: feels like one of those ones we drop her in when we can when we can get her. Well, um, is that thing that Moffat does actually, despite not going to the lengths that that Russell does to create? people for the Doctor to hang out with and no, he does what Todd says. Is He invents little groups of people that he can bring back and, and rely on. You know, as a sequel to this and in some ways a kind of rerun of its major kind of moral point, the Zygon inversion, invasion is really quite terrific and her role in it is absolutely crucial, isn't it?
2: Oh, her role in that is wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And you you want her to, to join the crew at the end, which yeah. is a shame that, you know, that's the last time we seen her. Yeah. And uh, could he have made it any better? Could we have got Captain McGumbo?
0: There is a photo of her on the on the you know paranoia board. <laughs> yes, yes, I love that paranoia board. Why we have it, I'm not yeah, quite sure. Yeah. But Mike know. Yates and and uh, Gene Marsh are there in the yeah. photo for some reason.
2: And and you get like Ian and Barbara and Susan and it's and, yeah. and really Tegan, I think and Turlo and Chameleon. Yeah.
3: Like
0: Chameleon.
2: <laughs> what would he do without Nissa?
3: Yeah. Hey. Um, Stephen Moffat in inspecting that conspiracy board. Yeah, actually turned to the visual effects department and said, "Sarah Kingdom and Mike, yeah, but that's how how can that happen?" And the head of the art department said, "Stephen, uh. didn't you create a whole new doctor for this special?" And Stephen's <laughs> like, "Oh, people can invent stories for them. Uh. Yes, Stephen."
2: That's very good. I actually really like. Also, at the beginning, Clara's in her new setting at yeah. Coleville School. Mm. Isn't that sweet? And her character's getting rewritten.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm just
1: assuming it's another Clara. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's actually how many, how many
1: have we had now? Yeah, it is that, a lot of them. <laughs> One or, or something. There's I, actually about sixteen just in the Greater London area.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's incredibly confident and amazingly cinematic and it's Them just saying, all right, we're pulling out all the stops and that shot of the helicopter with the TARDIS dangling from it, flying over London, like hooray, London's back. You know, we're shooting in Trafalgar Square. It's awful
2: weather. (laughs) (laughs) It looks so cold.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the wind's blowing. It's really bad. (laughs) But it just looks incredible. It looks so spectacular. It's such an event and the movie-style opening credits and everything, it's huge. This.
2: Don't they have I Am Foreman as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're yeah. just going to throw it yeah. all in, don't you? <laughs> yeah, it's
0: kind of like, yeah,
3: scrapyard this way. <laughs> um, uh, he- head teacher, I Chesterton. Yes, head yes. of governors, W. Coburn. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good.
3: Um, for that um, TARDIS flying sequence, Matt Smith did as much of the hanging as he was really? allowed to <laughs> under, under insurance purposes. So he was only a few feet off the ground. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. the, way, the way he told – and also Jenna tells it, he was about 80 or 90 metres in the air. That's dangerous. To- <laughs> it's like totally attached – Yes, you know, but. so that like I think there is behind the scenes footage of him going up and him actually not holding on to the handles. Right. Okay. You know, he's he's on a harness which they painted out and what have yeah. you, but he's like, no, no, I wanted to do as much of it as physically possible. Apparently, like the stunt man was saying, that's as high as he's allowed to go. <laughs> Stop it <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Not
2: holding the handles, oh my goodness.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, that, that is very mad. <laughs> that whole beginning <laughs> is loves. so great, and it's exactly what Russell does for, say, the runaway bride, where you get the TARDIS as a physical. Fish- Physical object doing something different from what we've seen before and so having the doctor hanging from the TARDIS I just think it's so good it's so tremendous and 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 their first interaction, like when she drives into the TARDIS, and she is as cool as anything, and so is he, and they're kind of yeah. doing a Steed missus Peel thing. Oh, sort of can we ironic just detachment? Note that, yeah, very,
1: very much so. And I don't think Stephen Moffat's kept it a secret that he's very much an admirer mm. of that time in the Avengers.
3: Yeah, and of course, like the Avengers film, which we've discussed, originally mm. opened with before it was cut, Emma Peel driving up to a phone box in the middle of nowhere to answer a ringing phone to get her mission. And that was completely cut, but photos exist and some footage of it is in the trailer. So visually it is actually very similar. And it is intended to be the same bike as the Bells of St John. Right. The gravity gravity bike. (laughs) The gravity bike. (laughs) These
1: little bites. we always think that it went for longer, didn't it? Because they're just moments of great serotonin oomph. Mm. Which series was she in, Sarah Tone and
0: (laughs) (laughs) One of my favourite lines comes from that scene and it's the will there be cocktails line. It's, you know, the doctor Uh, gives a little mini Florana speech to her and that's her response, will there be cocktails? And then all that sort of sang-froid just drops and they hug one another and they're super happy to see one another. But it's really terrifically good. It's very, very very true.
2: I I think the way in which Clara's written in this episode and the next, it sort of, it does make you want more of these two together yeah. Like yeah, for another mini run of eight episodes. I think you're left wanting more, which yeah. is a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it wouldn't have hurt to have had a few more episodes of them together in that sort of Emma um steed sort of relationship yeah. that would have been quite a lot of fun i think
1: mm. and, and odds on and fairness to to all the writers it's actually a myrna Loy and william powell mm. screwball comedy <laughs> well it mm. comes from thin man series and a pro- no doubt before that but carol lombard and clark gable we've talked about this a lot hitchcock does it perfectly in 39 steps with madeline Carroll and john donut robert donut mm, mm, mm. which is one of my favorite films of all time but they she's they're actually tied up at the end of the bend and she has to get her stockings off. And it's 1934. <laughs> oh, well, Britain didn't have a haze coat. But but the same banter and the whole, we're having a lot of sexual tension here, but we're actually talking about the weather or the latest diabolical mastermind, whatever. And there's that lovely, as you said, the song quite of the dissonance between intention and article. Yeah. And that's what Stephen Moffat, Stephen Moffat really understands tension in dramatic interplay and how but give it to us give it to us as we're always saying to him i'm just going to put that over there so you'll think it's coming and you might see a tinge of it but i'm actually going to throw something else entirely at you that's what day of the doctor is not at all what i expected Mm -mm. but i enjoyed it all and in my head well it's still five-ish doctors but in my head there's a whole lot of other things that have happened and each time we go back and watch it we go it's slightly different again because, again, you notice his minutiae and marginalia on the sides of the screen, but you also get the sense of I'm still surprised. Mm. Even after all this time, I'm still surprised.
2: Yeah. Yes, I was picking up new things all the time. Mm. Um Back to what you are saying about Clara entering the TARDIS with the uh, motorbike, it gets to show off that magnificent set, but we also get to, of course, see David's set and yeah. we get to see the in between sets, which with all the round things, which <gasps> they so love. Good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> and you also to get Tom, mm-hmm. even in the curator scene, where yeah, you've got all yeah, of the stuff yes. on the wall. Patrick's is- bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I, I love that. Something that Modern Who can do. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, we've got
0: the budget, we can do it. Well, so that set still. Existed, didn't it, in Cardiff at the Doctor Who well,
3: experience? Yeah, exactly. They actually shut down the Doctor Who experience for a day to film the scenes in David's no. in David's TARDIS.
0: Yeah, <laughs> oh, isn't absolutely. It
3: sweet? And then for the John Hurt TARDIS, the round things walls had been built for an adventure in space and time. Oh. So they are the reproduction Billy walls, right? Wow. Yeah, wow. reproduction Billy. <laughs>
1: still, the
3: paint is still wet. <laughs> you yeah, I love. Tennant and the Smith fanboying about the round things. Yeah. You know, yeah. It seems that by, or by all reports, because really there's four doctors in this because Tom turns up as well. It sounds like Matt Smith is kind of the glue in that um, David Tennant said to Stephen, look, I'm going to come in, but I'm going to let Matt take the lead because it's his show. And of course, you know, we're both fans. You know what it's like in the old show when other doctors came on. And apparently first day on the TARDIS set, just before they started shooting, Matt walked up to Dave and said, Now look, I'm gonna be doing controls over here and whatnot, but I don't wanna hug the flying duties. If you if you wanna do a bit of dialogue and, and flick a few switches as well, you know, <laughs> you're lovely? the doctor too. Oh, um,
1: Matt, you're, you're adorable. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
3: And, you know, John Hurt, who knew nothing about Doctor Who after William Hartnell, yeah. had, hadn't watched it, said in an interview, you know, he, he said, yeah, I, I I know what it is, but I don't know what it's about. And he said- I,
2: I have a career, yeah. for goodness sake. <laughs> <sense. laughs> but, yeah. but he
3: said, I have such respect for Matt and David. Aww. You know, they're, they're such good actors and Aww. they can do all the- sciencey talk they haven't given me much sciencey talk i'm glad to say but those two just rattle it off while being sad and happy and all this and uh, he's so
1: he's so generous isn't he you know he bumped into eccleston not long after this he said we've no uh, no john hurt 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 bumped into eccleston because eccleston talks about how hurt he was not, no pun, I'm sorry, intended. But, you know, and his rift with, with Russell goes mm. very deep. Mm. Um, but but he came and patted him on the back and said, Oh, Chris, we're commingled now. We've <laughs> mingled together. <laughs> we are a mingled entity. <laughs> that,
2: <laughs> and that's yeah. sweet. That, but that is interesting that he just regenerates. Yeah. They're on the spot. Like, it's done, so I'm going to regenerate. I, I, Maybe you buy it more than me.
0: I think that what is happening is that Moffat is filling in the gaps. And so, yeah. we get to see those two Doctors who we haven't seen regenerate. We get to see them do
2: Oh, so, yes, because in The
0: Night of the Doctor, yeah. we've got yeah. that as well.
3: And I think possibly na- narratively, you could hand wave it as, you know, he was the Doctor who had to fight the time war. The time war is over now, so he can, he can go away. It is just convenient to fill in. In the gap. Yeah. And interestingly enough, you know, people have gone why didn't they go further with the visual? And there's some fan versions where they do go further, but Stephen Moffat was asked about that a few years later, and he said given that Chris said it's he didn't want to appear in it, in it. Yeah. he said, I can do it as a hint, but I felt going fully into Chris's face would be disrespectful. Yeah. And the interviewer said, "So did you ask Chris about that? He said, no, no, no. I I feel asking him would have been pressuring him to allow use of his likeness.
1: Chris has said he has a lot of respect for Stephen Moffat.
3: Yeah, totally.
1: Well, yeah.
0: I mean, Stephen Moffat wrote that incredible two-parter for him to be in, so he has acted yeah. a Stephen Moffat script. I think also that it's telling that he's the only Doctor whose TARDIS we go into. Oh. So we see all of the Doctors on the screens in the Gallifrey War Room, uh, but we do actually see Chris saying the thing from yes. inside the TARDIS. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm nicking off and you can marry whoever you like, your
2: loose, bloody
1: children <laughs> you
2: um, cleaned that up. <laughs> but then we also get 13 Doctors. We also get that little snippet of... Capella. <gasps> yeah. What did we think of do you that? remember? Do you remember your reaction? Did you gasp? <laughs> I can't remember. Like I gasped. I grabbed Brendan. Yes, he did. <laughs> How grab you your Brendan, Brendan's gentleman after nine years? Are you okay? Yeah. Um,
3: the bruising's gone down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, and the swelling.
1: <laughs> yes. I think. I think
2: Thanks for <laughs> I think I did. I think, yeah, yeah because then they would have had to get him in to film that little bit. Yeah. yeah, and he wasn't yet filming. And was, was he, he not yet
0: filmed? No, and and we only see his eyebrows partly because that works. that's actually all he yeah. is yeah. though, yeah. isn't he? But <laughs> also because they haven't worked out what his costume's going to be mm. at that time. Nude. No, wasn't he still mean. filming Musketeers or not? Yes, Musketeers. Yeah. Yeah, what was that? Was
2: that? No, he was it, the it, three it,
3: Musketeers. It was Musketeers. So yeah. he filmed this on the same day he filmed his side of the regeneration. Oh, okay. For, oh. for Time of the Doctor, oh. and if you look at Time of the Doctor, even though he Peers at jenna they're never in the same shot oh okay so they they did that to fit in with his schedule right so it was this weird thing of matt
2: actually had to match him right, when he right. came to film it so jim wasn't there he wasn't there with jenna in-
3: oh, that's a shame. I think not. I'm I'm thinking back, and obviously, I haven't rewatched Time of the Doctor for the podcast yet. But I think Capaldi and Jenna don't actually appear in the same shot. But I could I could be wrong. And if I am wrong, it means that yes, they brought Jenna in, right? Yeah. Right. But yeah, so that's that's when they filmed it. And yeah, that was a moment in the cinema. No yeah. pun intended. No, I remember there was a freaking
2: roar from that because if you didn't know that Matt was going. Yeah. You'd be going, what the hell is
0: this? Yeah. Yeah yeah, but yeah, yeah, It's It's the same thing, you know, the paratext is important. The trailers, all of that stuff can be assumed knowledge. Yeah. Mm. And we'd had that special, hadn't we? Yeah, in August. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So Tom Tom Baker's involvement was treated like a big secret. He was picked up at 1.30 in the morning. In a, a hessian sack. In a hessian sack. <laughs> Um, driven driven to Cardiff to arrive at 4.30 in the morning, taken out of the Hessian sack and put in makeup and a costume and what have you. And the way Tom tells it is apparently, you know, everyone was very attentive and got me in costume and got me cups of tea and things, but he's like, no one talk to me there was no conversation and and i i was just they were getting it ready and i was just standing on the side feeling like this sad lonely old man who's just been wheeled out for the coronation or whatever and then he said then 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 this tall man with a with a with a chin and a nose and big and big hair came out of the shadows and tom how wonderful to see you thank you so much for coming and as tom puts it um my gloom was lifted by the arrival of Matt Smith Who welcomed me so enthusiastically That I began to think
0: life was worthwhile <laughs> That's so lovely That yeah. speech, holy crap It's so perfect Yeah, it really Was is. it just
2: him and
0: those two on set? It was, was just
3: it? those two on set yeah. Like that's, that's why Jenna walks off It's like let's have as few people on set as possible Yeah, the witch has to attend
2: her well <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just love that
3: joke it's so good <laughs> Well, it's from Hyde that's one of the names of the ghosted in High. That's how forgettable High is.
2: Um, so, yeah. so lovely. That just makes me love this even more. We're at the end of this. Seeing all the doctors standing there is such a wonderful, iconic moment. We've had lines from each of them, their final lines, like yeah. David Tennant, I Don't Want to Go, something that –
0: he always says that. That is
1: correct. <laughs> all <laughs> two times. I you like can't wait. decorated, yeah. I don't like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. Stephen just knows yeah.
0: what these lines yeah. need to
1: be. I can't wait for Jodie to say, I'm letting the door bang me ass on the wait. way out.
2: Uh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But just that, just that whole iconic shot of them all standing there. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful.
0: Mm. In a way it doesn't quite end up paying off. I think, because it does promise something different and it only vaguely promises it because he does say home the long way around. But the circumstances under which he goes home are very different from what this anticipates, I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's a little bit like the end of The Five Doctors where, you know, the Doctor goes on the run again, you know, and so we've got a sort of new- start to the show after that special and now we get it again with the 50th you know he's got a new lease of life he's not heading inevitably towards Trenzalor uh he's got some other mission
3: yeah well that's the thing it gives the fact that they were able to change the past tells him you know then the 10th doctor says to him we need a new destination yeah it's like it's something we can change you know, I I know, Nathan, for instance, that you and I disagree on Lake Silencio, whether the doctor originally died or not. You say, yes, he did. And then the past changes. Whereas yeah. I'm like, it's always been this way. But this is, an, a, this is a situation where I'm like, no, 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 he did definitely blow up Gallifrey the first time. Yeah. And then needed to grow and heal in order to realise there was a better way. But because John Hurt isn't going to remember it it still leads to the same growth. That is
1: such a clever book ending. I hadn't Mm. thought that the two related before. Yes. Mm. Todd, what were you thinking?
2: Oh, no, I just love the fact that John Hurt can't retain things because the time streams are out of sync. It's something that we always say when doctors meet each other and now it's been verbalised. So (laughs) (laughs) that helps me cross the T's and dot the I's. (laughs) Although
0: although I quite like Matt Smith's other theory, which is that David Tennant's just not paying attention. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Look, in the end... This is I just think joyous and mm. and Stephen does an extraordinary job and it's yes. near perfect, which is why I give it a nine out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: So that's all we have time for for now. We'll be back basically immediately with another episode of Flight Through Entirety in which we discuss the Day of the Doctor. In the meantime, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts and you can keep up with us at Flight Through Entirety on Facebook, at FTE Podcast on Twitter and on our website, flightthroughentirety.com, where you'll find links to our other podcasts, Bondfinger, Jodie Terror, Maximum Power and Untitled Star Trek Project. Until next time, may you fail doing the right thing as opposed to succeeding in doing the wrong one. Thank you very much for listening, and good night. Good night. See you soon. Well, I
1: won't be speaking to any of you ever again after what you've just said, but yes. Good
0: (laughs)
2: night.
0: (laughs) Good night. was Flight for Entirety starring Todd Be Nathan Bottomley, Brandon Jones and Richard Stone. Theme arrangements by Cameron Lamb. This episode, The Glue That Holds Everything Together was recorded on the 24th of July 2022 and released on the 23rd of November. So, you've now heard what the original Flight Three Entirety cast have to say about the Day of the Doctor, but stay tuned to your podcatcher of choice where you'll find a second episode with our new series cast discussing the same story. I'll see you over there.
3: Um, so, o- August 2013, they announced it was Peter Capaldi. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, because when they were filming this, Matt was still under talks to possibly do Series 8. Right. And I actually wonder... Um, and yeah, we're, I'm flashing forward, but we have mentioned foreshadowing Danny pink. Yeah. That, um, there's also a, t- a teacher in there who's sort of floppy haired and has mm-hmm. a bow tie and whatnot. Well, the guy who runs in to tell Clara that her doctor called is floppy haired and a bit Matt Smithish. So I uh, wonder if Moffat was already thinking ahead of, Hey, if your I can sees. get this guy back, Yeah, they obviously went down a different path. Um, yeah, and I do. I do. Knowing what I know now, I did. I did wonder watching that scene. It's like he's a bit Matt Smithy and a bit breakfast, and a breakfast, a bit breathless. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> also for breakfast. <laughs> also
0: for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, all right. I think we need an out. Um, look,
2: I don't know. We're at the end yeah. of this. Seeing all the doctors standing there is such a wonderful iconic moment.